Ajahn Chah uh, used to, one of the exercises he would do is, I've been listening to a lot of Ajahn Sumedho recently because he's going to be here on July 7th for a couple of hours. Thing that'll, that'll just be wonderful. And uh, anyways, I've been listening to a lot. And he was telling, he tells stories about his time with Ajahn Chah. One of the things he was speaking about was uh, in one of the trainings that Ajahn, Pasano, I mean, uh, Ajahn Chah would put the monks through which was really a good practice for him in that it woke him up to how much he suffered because of the mind uh, and his attention being engaged in what the mind was saying and trying to control that. And Anyway, it's really hot in Thailand and, uh, it, you know, it would be like 100 degrees and they were uh, instructed from time to time to gather after lunch on a full stomach and the sala that was one of they had a, a sala is a shrine room uh, for monastics and uh, one particular sala was made out of tin tin roof tin sidings and he had them put all their robes on so they, they have three robes uh, three heavy robes and one of them they wear over their uh, shoulder and uh and he had them wrap themselves up, put all your robes on, come and sit, shut all the doors and windows. Now, I want you to meditate. <laughs> yeah, um, we're a little easier <laughs> on the public. I don't think anyone would come if we tried it. But, <laughs> but what he found was how, that, you know, his mind would scream and he would buy into the screaming, whatever the mind was saying, this, this is, he, you know, I don't feel well, this makes me sick, this is torture, what the hell am I doing here, I'm not doing this again, you know, all this stuff, and I'm just really starting to feel angry and frustrated, and then noticing, you know, when he left the sala, uh, everything felt really cool. The air felt cool, even though it was, you know, still 100 degrees outside. It wasn't 120, and uh, and there might and there was a breeze, and the rain would uh, fall. It rains a lot in the monsoon. It's hot and humid, and uh, but it does rain short, intense periods, and so that all felt great until, you know, the very next day it would be hot. He wouldn't have to go back into the sala for a few days, uh, that particular one. And so then even what at coming out of that torture chamber and feeling the coolness of the breeze when it was still very hot, that same condition of that once felt cool in relativity now felt hot and miserable again. So that, that same experience, the same conditions, uh, at one point felt cool and he felt happy and relaxed and comfortable around it and re, re, got a reprieve from his suffering mind. Next day he suffered over it. It's hot and humid, it's raining, everything is getting, everything rots, all the vegetation rots, it smells. 
You know, a week later, he's in the sala. Gets comes out. Oh, it's cool. It's raining. It's refreshing. You know, every everything's the the, the ground is turning over the vegetation. So, one experience, he he suffers over it. Next experience, he's feeling really happy and refreshed over it. So the practice of meditation is about cooling the mind, getting a bit of distance from the mind. So we don't take it so seriously. You know, it's got its uses, obviously. Uh, this little computer. But it's it doesn't, it can't actually give us a sense of peace. The mind. We can't think our way into the experience of peace. But we can experience a sense of peace by when, when we still allow the mind to reach a stillness. And it won't stay still constantly, but it, we can turn our attention away from the chattering mind. And meditation gives us that opportunity to train where we're going to put the mind. And a good place to put it, to, to practice, is in the body and to return to the body because the body doesn't speak. The body itself doesn't complain. The mind adds all of that. It adds all of that judgment. I, I um, pulled, uh, I, I guess it wasn't a pull, I, can, I uh, compressed my spine a few weeks ago, and I think it's almost two months now, actually. But and it hit my sciatica nerve, and um, so th that pain shoots down your leg, and it lands for me anyway. It landed in my knee, and the back of my heel, and my two middle toes. I don't know why, but my mind was absolutely convinced that there was something wrong with my knee. It hurt so bad that I couldn't even put my foot down. I had to go to the doctor, urgent care. And then she explained what it was. There's actually nothing wrong with my knee. That was the main, the main problem. There's nothing wrong with my knee, but I couldn't stand on it without excruciating pain. It's actually in your back. And it's this, but the, what the brain is doing is it's telling, it's, it's telling, um, my body <laughs> that uh, to get off of my leg um, so there's not there's no nerve endings that I understand anyway there's nothing in the back to say the problems here it's actually in a nerve that that shoots down the leg so even though there's nothing here the brain goes get off your leg get off your leg get off your leg and one of the ways to do it is to make that knee hurt so the, the the brain is actually lying to me, but it's doing it for a reason. So I'll, because I'm not going to feel the pain back here, I needed to feel it somewhere to get off the leg, and and so that wasn't, um, you know, the the pain was phantom. It was a, a phantom pain, but it was, it was useful. It got me off my leg. So, the experience of resting felt good rest the body that felt good 
I try to walk across a room, that, that doesn't feel good. Trying to think about what's going on, you know, then I'm going to think it's in my, in my leg. You know, so the mind will play little tricks on us just to try to get us to do what it needs to do. But we need to, what we want to do is just not add on to the, whatever the mind is saying. Not to believe it so much, but to actually come back to our experience. So if I was paying attention to what the mind was saying and trying to fix my injury, I, which was what I tried to do at first, I wrap my knee, you know, and this is going to take care of it. Um, and then, and then just stay off the knee, but sit down, sit down on the couch, and you'll feel better. That actually sitting made it worse, uh, which I couldn't understand. So I can't, couldn't think my way through it. But when I paid attention to the explanation the doctor gave me, um, started to take these little steps, which weren't any steps I would have taken. I would have been able to think my way out of myself or to ice the back, sit back, uh, you know, like like this. Have your knees kind of bent up, you know, so that I'm taking all the pressure off of my um, lumbar. Take all the pressure off your lumbar. Do this for uh, 45 minutes any time you start to feel any ache in the sciatica. And that made a huge difference. That was the first thing. I, and I would not have been able to think my way to that. Because that's not what my brain was, that's not what my mind was saying. We can't think our way to the experience of relief, to the experience of peace. But we can feel it. So then I just started to really pay attention to my body. When does it feel relief? And, 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 and following what the body would say. I'm relieved when you do this. I'm not so relieved when you do that. And, and it's made a world of difference on my healing, which is getting close. But it's still, it, I, I have my bad days, but not, those are getting farther and farther apart. So the same thing with our practice, is we're practicing to not take so seriously what we think. Not try to control it. We don't have control, nor do we even want control of our mind. We just don't need to believe everything it says. We're turning our attention toward our experience and understand, oh, it's like this. The experience of suffering is like, is like this. When we find ourselves uh, feeling really uncomfortable in a conversation and wanting to uh, correct the person that we're with or explain to them how they're making us suffer, it's a great opportunity to just stop. Either pull ourselves out of the conversation and turn our attention to, well, actually, what is making me suffer? The words from another person can't make us suffer, but our resistance to those words can. 
you know, not liking, not wanting, pushing away, judging. Yeah, this this doesn't feel good. I'm um, recalling a conversation I had <laughs> just a couple of days ago, and uh, and it was uncomfortable and had nothing to do with anybody here at the center. It was a family member, and uh, and I'm I'm noticing I'm feeling that this person is they're they're not understanding their fault <laughs> of the suffering that I'm feeling. Uh, because of an agreement that had been made and and not fulfilled, and uh, and then I, uh, I I heard myself actually starting to say, uh, "You're you're making me mad," and it, and it just I had to stop and like, hang on, I you can't actually make me mad. Uh, so I gotta, I gotta, I gotta think about this. What's making me mad? And what's making me mad is I was mad. <laughs> I'm mad at you. <laughs> That's making me mad. They can't make me mad. I'm, I'm picking up junk, and I'm throwing it at myself. and saying, it's like I'm picking up their junk. They didn't, they didn't follow through on something that was important to me. And I, I pick up their junk and I throw it at me and said, Ouch, don't don't do that. <laughs> like Ajahn Pasano gave a Dhamma talk once. I think it was this great Dhamma talk. I think it was called something about buffalo training. But anyway, he 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 talks about how we go around and we pick up everybody else's garbage. And we like, and then we're, we're sticking in our pockets, and we we have it on the bottom of our shoes, and we, we put it in our shirt, and you know, we stick it on our heads, and anywhere we can to grab more and more. We go around picking up other people's junk, and then we wonder what is that smell? <laughs> and no matter where we go, there is going to be a smell, because we're carrying around this garbage. So the practice of meditation, of turning our attention to the body. The body doesn't make judgments. The body doesn't go around and pick up junk. You know, the mind can suffer because of the, uh, you know, because of the reactions to the body. But the body itself doesn't suffer. So that suffering is additional. So when we turn our attention to the body and use the breath as an anchor to be and stay with the body and rest in that breath, that anchor. It's like sticking a stick in a um, bicycle wheel. And it stops. It's like just taking our attention off. You know, that, that bicycle wheel is spinning, and if we go to grab one of the spokes, it's going to hurt. 
you know, but if we can get some distance and let that just spin and then put our hand in there, it's not going to hurt. So we're not resisting our thoughts and we're not trying to control our thoughts. We're simply moving our attention to that which doesn't complicate our experience and experience. The experience of being with the body as it is relaxing will bring a sense of relief. And the more that we do this, the easier it is to keep a distance while maintaining awareness of the thoughts that arise and pass away. And then we can choose which ones we need to pick up. My uh, grandson, Jameson, was born, I think he's 15 months old now. When he was about th three or four months old, I was uh, babysitting him, rocking him, and uh, I'd gotten up out of the uh, chair, he'd woken up, big smiley face, got up out of the chair and walking across a hardwood floor, and my foot one of my feet caught on this little rug. One of my, my big toes slipped under the rug. And as I went to try to move that foot forward, I actually started to fall. And so put the other foot out, and this one, the rug slid under me. Um, so in trying to counterbalance, I leaned my body forward and I'm realizing I am about, I'm leaning forward, I'm, I'm going to fall on top of Jameson. So halfway through the fall, the only thing I could think of doing was throwing Jameson up in the air <laughs> and trying to turn around and catch him, which didn't happen. <laughs> so I threw, I toss him up, I hit, I hit the floor, and I, I, I only hit it on my, on my side. And I go to catch him, but by the time that's all coming to fruition, he's hitting the floor. And I'm watching, so I'm watching him as he's up in the air. And my body's not turning fast enough, and I'm just like, <laughs> I just threw my grandson <laughs> up in the air. I can't catch him. So I watched him, boom, fall. And that, and then that scenario played over and over and over in my mind for the next several days. And that picture of him falling reached heights of like eight, nine feet, <laughs> which is not possible for me to, to do. Uh, in reality now, I have no idea. It was hard enough. <laughs> when he fell, I sh I'm laughing because it actually makes me kind of nervous. But and so that's that's my uh, 
my release. But anyway, when he fell, he actually, he hit his tummy first, and he had his arms slightly up, but he was also looking down, and so he, his nose, his head came down really hard, right on his on his nose. And I and I watched that, his his face just smash into the floor. And so, um, I just, I had, I really had to watch. It, I felt horrible. I was so afraid that I had damaged my uh, grandson, but. Uh, and I was going to have to tell his mom, and which I did. But uh, it's just like the story just kept growing in my mind. So I just kept watching that, okay, this isn't true. I didn't throw him up eight feet. Now it's ten feet. Okay, I didn't throw him up ten feet. I was probably, it could have been five. I'm just five, six. I used to be five, seven, but I'm starting to shrink. <laughs> I'm just five, six. Uh, I probably threw him, I could have thrown, thrown, thrown him five, six. That's pretty high for an infant. But, uh, you know, but I, I don't have to really believe anything my mind tells me. What I know is that when he landed, it hurt. And I feel terrible. I, I felt guilty. I felt stupid. Okay, I'm not guilty. I did my best. And I'm not stupid. But this this was a very unfortunate accident, so it wasn't anything I did. So, so it's just looking at, but the experience is still. This is what my mind's doing. I, it it creates these really uncomfortable emotions. Okay, I'm, this is gonna be my life for the next couple of. I thought it was gonna be the next couple of years, but in in reality, it was just a few days as it moved through. However, when I think of it, even today, it still brings up this uncomfortable energy. But the uncomfortable energy, I don't, I don't, I don't suffer over it anymore because there's distance. And, and this is what the practice of meditation can do. That just following the breath, returning to the breath, relaxing the body, resting our awareness there. It provides a distance from whatever is going on in the mind. 